everybody. I'm Kate Conroy. And I'm Vinny Civitello. And this is Other People's Business, which is the podcast from the New Jersey Business and Industry Association, the largest statewide business association in the nation. We release a new episode every other Wednesday, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, shout out to New Jersey Manufacturers Insurance Group. They do home, auto, and workers' comp, and they are the official sponsor of this show. So check them out if you need some updated coverage. Awesome. Just a housekeeping matter, too, before we get this train rolling. This podcast is available just about anywhere you can get a podcast. That's iTunes, Google Play, Amazon's TuneIn. We even throw these things up on YouTube if you'd rather watch than listen. But no matter how you check the show out, give it some love. Give it that like. Give it that comment. Give it that five-star review on iTunes. It helps all the various algorithms that control our lives find more people to watch this show, which is never a bad thing. So with all that out of the way, our awesome guest today returning is our very own Chief Government Affairs Officer, Christopher Emmyholtz. Chris, say hi. Let the audience hear your voice. How's everybody doing? Thanks for having me, Vinny and Kate. Awesome. Awesome. This is about as good as I ever get at 9 a.m. when we're we're recording this today. Yeah, this is my fault. I uh it is. I, I blame Kate back. entirely. I you should. It was my like we were on a we had like a time constraint and I, I was away until literally last night. I walked in my door at nine o'clock last night, dropped my bags and went to bed. Like I didn't unpack until this morning. And um now it's twelve hours later and I still feel like I just walked in the door. I'm exhausted and I know nine o'clock is not your favorite time of day in the morning. No, um, I think when we started this podcast, I told you like the husk <laughs> that is like walking around may get up whenever, but the Vinny, you know, wakes up around 11 o'clock. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, just a little behind the scenes. We, we never tape this early. We always tape somewhere between like one o'clock in the afternoon and four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, we're both awake. We're both at our best. We're both, you know, doing well. Um, but we had this time constraint and the budget like is just about to like go. It is kind of sort of done. And we wanted to tape this before it was all set and ready to go. Um, because by the time this airs, this is going to be really, really relevant information. And so I, I accept full responsibility for how tired we all are right now. <laughs> so well, Chris, uh, no worries at all. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, you... everyone knows if you're working in Trenton in the last week of June, that it's just all hours, all the time. You're always on and, and happy to be with you guys this morning. No better place to be. Awesome. So, yeah, I was, I just heard myself. Uh, that's how tired I am. Nine o'clock last. What time did you get, get home last night, Chris? Because I assume it's much later than nine. I got home a little after midnight. Yeah, um, there it is. <laughs> yes, but you know what? It's a very quick drive home from Trenton at, at midnight. <laughs> a lot less traffic. I did see some deer. Oh uh, my Lord. All right. I was so actually I driving home the other day and there was a deer in the middle of the, like it was running on the road, like a, a bicyclist would like ride their bike just straight <laughs> down the road, like not across the road into like other woods, just running on the road. And then I'm I'm like going nuts behind the thing and it stops. It turns around and just stares at me. And the two of us are just staring at each other for like a minute and there's nobody behind me. And I'm finally just like, what are we, what are we doing here? <laughs> Hit the horn and it finally decided to run off. But yeah. Deer, I, I want to say we ought to round up all the deer in the world and just give them their own country. Like if we could just give like all the deer in the, the world their own island, 
and never have to worry about deer again. It would be great. I'm not saying well, that deer they... should be extinct. We should just put them somewhere where they can't interfere with our roads anymore. They're like no, dogs, I, I... but just dumber, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot dumber. But I think they have their own country, ours. Like, they do whatever they want. They go wherever yeah. they want. They eat whatever they want. Um <laughs> In Japan, there is an island that's just full of deer and you can go visit. And I don't know yeah. if they rounded up all the deer and put them there. I, don't I mean, know. It, it's a smart idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining somebody having the same revelation that I just had. One of my neighbors, shout out to Jenna. Um, she actually like got on the news because she feeds all the deer. So like every morning, like 50, 60 deer will like come up to her back door and she'll feed them. And I'm like, what are you doing? You are attracting 50, yeah. 60 deer. Like all the deer in the area are coming to our street. Like, That's interesting. In Minnesota, I think it's illegal to do that uh, because there are so many deer hunters. Well, and the, so it, they didn't address that in them. the article. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I mean, you're sort of luring them to their deaths. It's kind of <laughs> sad and wrong, I guess. I mm. don't know. There should be some sportsmanship to hunting, I guess, is the belief. I feel like we are off the rails already. It, it yeah. took no time at all for us to go off the rails, Vinny. This it's is 9 a.m. It's 9 a.m. I don't even know. Are we supposed to be talking about what we're binge watching at this point? Is that what it is? <laughs> yes. That's what happens at the witching hour on yeah. this podcast. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, let's um, – as much as I, I cannot wait to get to the government affairs discussion, which – No are one wants to hear that. <laughs> I've never said those words out loud before. Um, mm. Let's do let's do the icebreaker. Um, what are we all currently binging? Um, and I literally just finished the show, so I can – I'm happy to go first if, if – uh, Yeah, go ahead. Um, I just finished the second season of The Bear on Hulu. What's the bear? It is amazing. The bear. It's about a restaurant in Chicago that this um, this guy has to come home to. His brother owns this restaurant and the brother kills himself. And so this actual chef has to come home and help dig out his family in this, this family restaurant. And it is initially like the first couple of episodes are really stressful because they're the story is told from his point of view and he is just drowning in stress and all of his you know, culinary skills are being put to use, you know, frying hamburger meat and like drizzling cheese whiz onto, you know, sandwiches. And he's, he's miserable. The, the restaurant is miserable, but he feels this obligation. Um, that was season one. Season two is where they take the restaurant and they elevate it and they make it so much better. And they actually bring in actual chefs. It was some of the best television I've ever seen in my life. Oh. Dan, Fantastic, the bear. You got to watch it. Okay, and what, check what, it out. yeah, what was that on again? It's on Hulu. Hulu. Okay. Yeah. Yep. The bear. Chris, how about you? I am unfortunately not as interesting as that because I've gone more mainstream. But um, I just caught up on the last season of The Mandalorian. Okay. Um, yeah. Which was which was excellent. And um, yeah, it's not not in the weeds and, and going into the vaults of the streaming services. Pretty boring on Disney Plus. No, 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 no. Um, the Mandalorian no, is one of the best shows good. I watched this year by far. So yeah. yeah, and my sons and I enjoy that. I um, my wife and I just finished Ted Lasso on Apple TV, obviously, and then we just started Morning Show. Um, so we are staying with Apple TV. Um, but yeah, we're into the second season of Morning Show. And so that's kind of, I usually have a, what I'm streaming and then what my wife and I are doing together. <laughs> Morning I, um, show is good. 
I like season two of Morning Show. I thought that was really good. I I'm not I'm not necessarily looking forward to season three because I feel like they've the story that they've told is kind of wrapped. But I don't know. I'm looking forward to hearing what you think when you finish season two. Okay, I will let you know. That's actually how I felt about the Mandalorian. Like the first two seasons, like everything leads up to the end of season two. And I genuinely thought that was the end of the show. Like when I watched that, I was like, oh, all right, this is the series finale. And then I hear that they're coming back for season three. And I'm like, what, what are you doing? Like, you know, like this is over. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, why? Yeah. But well, season those, three was great. And I, I really enjoyed it. Um, those like event TVs structure on events very easily can turn into the typical episodic, like what's happening this week. Cause like, how many shows have there been about TV? And like so easily, the morning show had a a theme that's kind of maybe it's run its course, but then it could easily turn into like a Murphy Brown um, or or whatever other like TV show shows have been out there yeah. over the years. And so it could probably if they want to milk it, they could go into one of those things. But yeah, that that theme, I could see it um, petering out. But yeah, I'll be interested to see how season two ends. Yeah, I loved Murphy Brown. Hmm. That's been a long time, right? Such a long time ago show. Good call out. Didn't they bring that back? <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, they definitely brought it back. I don't know if it's. They did. I'm sure it's still. I'm not still going, but yeah, Kate's googling it right now. There was absolutely 100 percent a Murphy Brown revival. Hold on. Don't worry. Take your time. I'll just cut out whatever unnecessary, <laughs> you know, silence there is while you're doing it. Murphy Brown revival canceled at CBS 2019. Yeah, so oh, it was like relatively recently and came back. Yeah, it must have been really short lived. Yeah, I, I I would be surprised if they made it beyond one season. Uh, one season, yeah. canceled after one season. That's a bummer. You know, Murphy Brown. There's a BIA reference that we've used on Murphy Brown at times because there was a lobbyist back in the day that ran through his assistants like like Murphy Brown, and so he kind of <laughs> said he was the Murphy Brown of Trenton. <laughs> Because there was always somebody new. Lenny, mm. can you dish the dirt? Spill the tea. Who was it? Nah, I, I don't need to get a names there. I'll tell you after the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, yeah. VC. What are you? Uh, what are you binging? You know, it's it's funny. All right, so um, I don't think I talked about this one because I I went back in the last few episodes, but I haven't really been binging much recently. But I did finish the marvelous Mrs. Maisel since the last time like we I, I don't know talked about it yeah but yeah um and I, I I would recommend it I know you you dropped off of that show at some point so I don't know, season two season three I, I watched um, up through the last season but I was mad about it the whole time you got mad at <laughs> I was really mad because season one was so smart and good and each successive season got demonstrably worse just yeah i think it stalled for a little while like it was um i don't know if it was filler or what but um the fourth season they they tell you like right off the bat like i want to say episode one or two in the fourth season is like she will become a megastar like she's gonna become like the next lucille ball of like that time period you know like ultra you know like flying around in her private jet megastar um so the question is how does she get there like um, because it it seems like it's not working out. Like season three was kind of all about it, like sort of it not really working out. And yeah. she kind of tells the the manager, Lois from Family Guy, whose name escapes me at the moment. Alex Borstein. Alex Borstein. But what's her name on the show? Susie. 
Susie. She tells Susie, like, this either needs to happen or not now. Like, we're not doing this anymore. Like, this happens now or not. So that's the ultimatum that gets, like, dropped on the table. And so the whole season is about getting there. And then they they sort of manufacture another issue to resolve itself by the end. So that because you already know that like the, the, the arc of the whole series is going to work itself out. They need to figure out a way to make it. So like, all right, what is that thing you're hoping will happen by the last episode? So there's some, I won't really tell you what that is, but they do do that. Um, Or no, I I can say the, there's a huge rift between um, Maisel and Susie in the epilogue stuff. Cause it's sort of like better call Saul. Every episode has like a, this is what happens after the show is over. And in that time period, the two of them hate each other. And so it's like, will they, or will they not resolve that by the end of the series? So, yeah. Do they? I'm not going to tell you that. Go watch the show. (laughs) Season four was very good. Check it out. All right. With that ringing endorsement, I really, I really appreciate you. uh... (laughs) You know, it's like, it's eight episodes. I think that show for me. You rescued it. I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) Have you ever watched that one, Chris? No, I haven't. My wife has um, and said it was good. I don't think she's all the way done uh, Mm. with season four, but I've heard good things. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a solid show. Amy Sherman Palladino is a great writer. And I I could never remember her name. Rachel. But did I just say that she's going to be the next she's going to be the next Lois Lane? I was just going to say, yeah, she just got recast or not recast. She just got cast as Lois Lane in the next movie. So looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, and that in the James Gunn taking over the yeah. DC universe, he's doing a new Superman, new Lois Lane. The Superman I did not know, but the Lois Lane, like I've liked her from House of Cards and obviously Me never too. seen Maisel, but but um heard it's very good. Yeah. If if you if you want to see just a snapshot, season 1 episode 1 is an excellent hour of television. Yeah. You don't you don't need to keep watching it after that, but just talk about range and camera work and and dialogue it's just a really tight excellent hour of television i've never seen anybody um what do you call it shout out the camera work on <laughs> there's like really there's one long um you gotta watch this show the camera work is phenomenal <laughs> <laughs> you're getting like television movie critic 101 when this you come is, on this podcast not exactly, just not just exactly. what's going on in the world of business it's, it's everything yeah. this is the problem with being friends with a film buff because they uh, like to make fun of you first well like I, I noticed that kind of stuff back in the day my friend brian oh. and i always used to talk about how like when somebody wants to talk about like a movie that's not that great but like they need something to say about it it's always the cinematography like the cinematography <laughs> in that movie is phenomenal you know but, um no I, i'm definitely looking forward to the movie because i I've I've been a big Superman fan all my life. I really don't feel like there exists a perfect Superman movie. I know a lot of people no. really put over the Christopher Reeve stuff. Um, yeah, I would say currently, if I had to choose a best Superman movie, it would actually be Returns that a lot of people don't like. I love but, that movie. Yeah, um, but even that is far from perfect. So I, yeah, we could we could. No, I thought Superman. that was good. Yeah. I still I I like old school Superman too. Oh, Old wow. school Superman two is fun. It's very campy. Um, the campiness is fun, but it's it's fun. There's more action there than some other ones. The fight scene, Zod is like a good bad guy. Yeah, because you can imagine in a real world, how does a Lex Luthor compete with a Superman? 
yeah. it doesn't make any sense. But then Azad and Superman, you could see that. Well, generally, yeah. the Lex Luthor competes with Superman because he is the smart to Superman's strong. You know, like Superman can't compete with how smart Lex Luthor is. So, like, you have that that's dude Does that's Superman like smarting you. He's not dumb. I mean, he's like. You just called him dumb. He's not as <laughs> smart as Lex Luthor. I, I, think, I think we made some news on this podcast today. Yes, exactly. Vinny says Superman is dumb. I think the title of this podcast should be Superman, Just a Pretty Face. Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> unless something more important comes up in the next 20 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Lois right. Lane does not care about how smart you are. She's just interested in your looks. <laughs> Well, because hey. Lois Lane needs to be the smartest person in the room. That's who she is, right? <laughs> so she wants to be with somebody who's kind of dumb and pretty. I'm, I'm going to think about psychology that. of Superman. We go from filming 101 to psychology 101. Sure. <laughs> this is the best <laughs> conversation we might have ever had on this. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> for the sake of, of everybody in the C-suite who's totally watching this specific episode, you- <laughs> yeah, let's, let's get to what Chris does for a living. So, Chris, before you mentioned that you were out doing the, uh, the the budget stuff until midnight last night, tell us a little about what that's like. Um, so it's it's an insane night, but usually the last week of June for anybody involved in in New Jersey state government, Trenton work, it's it's always an insane week. And um, this week was probably more insane in some reasons because you go back to the beginning of this budget process. So every year the governor announces what he wants the budget to be, or she in the case of Governor Whitman back in the day, what they want the budget to be back in February. And then the entire spring, the legislature is debating it, discussing it, hearing about different issues. And then our state constitution says that midnight on June 30th, we must have a new state budget in place for the fiscal year that starts July 1st. So they have this deadline and you would think they're no longer kids in grade school, middle school, high school that are going to like pull an all-nighter. But no, we we pull all-nighters and, and go right up to the deadline. Um, I actually had to so hover over my yeah. little calendar thing in the corner here to be like, oh, it's the 29th. As of the moment we are filming this, it's 9 a.m. on the 29th. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what, there's almost like a second deadline that people don't talk about, which is what we saw last night, is that there has to be a calendar day between when the budget passes the budget committees and when the budget gets voted on by the two houses. Um, so Friday the 30th is the last day that the Senate and Assembly could vote on the full budget to get it to the governor to make it law. And so if it's Friday the 30th, that means that midnight last night, it had to pass the committees. And literally, um, it was a little frustrating because we were there, BIA every year is supposed to try to testify on the state budget because we wanna make sure they're hearing the perspective of the business community on the budget as like the institutional um, players in Trenton. And they were like, you know what? We don't want to let anybody testify because we're that close to midnight where it might push us over the edge. And so they probably got done around 1145 last night um, without letting anybody testifying, running through everything they were doing and even kind of getting annoyed that um, the Republicans as the minority party that often um, their job is to criticize the process. And there was a hell of a lot to criticize last night. Um, We're going too long. And I think the Democrats are getting a little annoyed and the majority party like, hey, guys, we got a deadline here. <laughs> I was going to ask, what what is, I, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. What is it that you do? Like when you're not <laughs> a legislator, you know, yeah. just kind of hanging. Because honestly, I just, um, the way I picture, because I've never been there. I've been at the state house, but I've never been like in the budget process at midnight. 
But the way I imagine it is you have a bunch of lobbyists in the room going, you know, like all the way up until midnight. I don't know. Like I see a lot of um, videos of the, and Kate can probably talk more about this, like the English parliament. And it, it really is just people going. Yeah. It's a free for all. Yeah. Or it looks so, like one on TV. I don't, it looks I'm like not... one on TV, but yeah. 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 Well, what, what is it like? Like, what do you get to, how does BIA interact in this process at that point? You know? Yeah. No, that is an excellent question, and it's probably a little bit of both. Probably a little less yelling. There's no, <laughs> but but it is. There is a little bit of of waiting around and 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 in the lobbies, in the halls, just kind of um, socializing at times. But then there is work, and as I said, like BIA, the Business Industry Association, as Kate said, the largest of the nation. Our job is to be there to represent our members in this process and to make sure the voice of business is there throughout the whole thing. And if the legislature or anybody else is trying to kind of pull a fast one on business, and you know what, like that sounds funny, like pull a fast one. There have been years where they did a last minute maneuver that really did something bad for the business community. And now, are we going to be able to single-handedly stop it? Oftentimes, no, but we can make a difference. We can make them feel guilty about it. We can make them think twice about it. Um, and we're there to represent our members, just like the halls are full of a lot of other lobbyists representing their clients, representing their associations. But it's important as that institutional player to be there. But it's beyond just being there. Um, an example, the, the budget, I was hearing rumors that day I was talking to legislators on the side of the committee about things that we hope to see in the budget, things that we want to make sure weren't in the budget. And, and so that, there's a role for that. But there was a bill that moving alongside the budget, a tax bill that will help a lot of BIA members that I'm looking through the bill that passed last night, actually not a couple nights ago, and one house made a mistake and the bill did not pass an identical form as the other one. So at that point, I run over to the aid of the one committee that is still sitting around waiting for the budget and thought they were done on this bill. And I was like, like, if you don't fix this bill today, we can't vote it on on Friday and get it to the governor's desk. And that'll cost BIA members potentially millions of dollars if it's not done when it's supposed to be done. And so he's like, oh, okay. And then he fixed it. He sent me the amendments. They looked like they were good. They matched up everything and it was good to go. But if we weren't there catching that, and if we weren't there kind of prodding the people to fix it, then that could have been a mistake that that the business community would have suffered from. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned that in February, the governor kind of says, this is what I want the budget to be. And in June 30th, it gets voted on. At the point of June 30th, are people usually happy with it? And when I say people, I mean, you know, the people voting on it. Or is it just sort of like, all right, we've hit the deadline. This is where we are. Let's just stop. You know, it, like, how, how do they just decide arbitrarily? And I know it's not arbitrary we have in the Constitution, but how do we just decide this is the day where if we're not happy with it, we're just going to go forward? Well, they, they've got that deadline. I do think anytime you have a document that has $54 billion worth of stuff in it, there's a lot that's going to make people happy. There's a lot that's going to make people unhappy. And I think it's always it's always a hard vote because there's invariably things that you're going to vote yes on, but you wish it didn't do this or that. And there's you're going to vote no on, but you're happy that it does a few things in it. Um, and and there's a lot, unlike a lot of bills, it's probably a, much more of a, a scale. And is it more good or more bad? And and the legislator have to make a decision. And and you also 
do have a little bit of a dance of the party and the majority is often getting more of what they want. The party and the minority is often getting less of what they want. But most people agree that the budget is is good doing certain things. Like you want to make sure you're you're paying your bills and your debt, and you want to make sure you're paying your health insurance costs. You want to make sure you're paying increase in school aid, paying the pension uh, payments, all those things. They're not really partisan. You put all those things together, they're not really partisan. It's the vast majority of the budget. And so- Yeah, I was going to say, how much of it is like the actual portion that we argue over? (laughs) It's usually, I want to say maybe it's, I don't know, 5% of the budget every year. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a small, and usually most of the budget is exactly the same as what the governor proposed months ago. And so they wind up, which is the silly part this year, because the governor proposed a very generous budget. And so we were hearing, oh, there's not a lot to debate about in this budget, but it's going to be very easy. And then towards the end of the process, uh, Speaker Coughlin came up with this uh, stay NJ plan to make New Jersey more affordable for our seniors, which is a laudable goal, fantastic thing, kind of came up with it at the end of this budget process. And then all of a sudden, the hope of having a budget where no one had to fight about anything kind of stopped. And now people were fighting about this this new program, which has a very good intent, but it's something that'll be ultimately very expensive. And so the governor, the Senate president, the speaker had to kind of wrap their hands around that. And they got to a place where they agreed and then got back on track, but that kind of took away the idea of an early process. And and then the other issue that I think was the delay over the past few days is when you have a giant budget, the largest in state history, a very healthy surplus, that there's a lot of spending and so a lot of legislators are asking for things so you have very important things like bia partners closely with our county colleges they're getting 20 more million dollars in aid because of a lot of their needs and that's a good thing county colleges need that a lot of the higher ed investments throughout the state are good investments um but you also see five hundred thousand dollars for a senior center a million dollars for a little league a money for a cheerleading squad and and you're like really <laughs> and um, but but you see things like that sprinkled in. But no, at some point, that's how they described it. In remember in Independence Day when they were like, "Where does the money for like Area Fifty One come from?" They were like, "You really <laughs> think like the the toilet cost five hundred? You really think the cheerleading squad needed a million dollars? This is something to think about." <laughs> I bet they're going to be very nice cheerleading outfits that they have next year. Um, <laughs> and you know what? The state's paying for it. Sure. I have so many problems with that, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump down that rabbit hole. Um, I want to ask you to help anybody, anybody who's listening, who doesn't understand what stay in J might be. Can you explain that? So stay in J is a new program that, uh, as I said, the speaker proposed what it ultimately is going to do, which is a little bit different than what the speaker first proposed is if you are a senior, and I believe it's defined as 65 and over, um, you're going to get back half of your property tax bill capped at $6,500. So a $13,000 property tax bill will get you $6,500 back. Um, And only for those with incomes less than a half million dollars. Um, Now, there's wrinkles to iron out there, what that payment looks like, um, how it's going to be done. It's going to tie into the existing property tax programs like Senior Freeze and, and the Anchor Program, which was back in the day, the Homestead Program. So they have to work out that detail. The interesting thing about this that got some attention, and again, BIA did not have a position on Stay NJ because it doesn't, it doesn't actually give property tax relief to businesses, which pay about half the taxes in the state. 
Um, but it's still a noble thing to try to make it more affordable for our seniors. BIA has led the discussion for years on the issue of out-migration and, and seniors leaving the state is a problem. And if this is, as the name implies, if this is going to help seniors stay in NJ, that's not a bad thing. And so um, is it more expensive than it should be? Is it, um, is it a little bit unwieldy in how it's going to work? Maybe. And that's something that, that other folks that are more engaged in this will debate and work on. But, but that's it in a nutshell. But the interesting thing is it's not the payments for this, but with this statute law that goes into effect um, or probably the end of this week, um, it will not take effect till 2026. So no senior will see any relief until 2026. And that was some of the criticism um, when That's this was probably how through. long it's going to take everybody to agree on it and vote on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that's an interesting feature. The, the, the pessimists and skeptics in the legislature um, and watching the legislature will say, that, you know what, this is an election year. Um, we can announce that there's a due program before an election year and worry about paying yeah. for it after the election. Um, that's part of it. But uh, but it's still making more New making New Jersey affordable for seniors is not a bad idea. Nice. And then um, the big the big, big deal around our uh, building is the CBT. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Happy to. Um, I, I've been hearing those three letters kind of dominated my past couple months. Um, but the, the governor and the legislature deserve some credit. The budget is doing the two big corporate tax ask that we had. Um, I, I referenced that that tax bill. That was the CBT bill that there was a lot of back and forth. There was a lot of details to iron out. But I think we got in a place where it's a win win. A lot of people are happy. Um, and so that's moving. But then even more important on the corporate tax side is this next year, we were supposed to see the corporate tax surtax that we um, implemented a few years ago expire. It was supposed to sunset on December 31st, 2023, which means the FY24 budget that just passed committees and will be voted on this week, um, that has to make the decision. Is this going to expire or is this going to be extended? It's been extended before. Temporary taxes around the country have a nasty habit of, of staying extended, extended, extended for yeah. a long time. And temporary isn't always temporary. Um, so that was our, our concern. And our concern is driven by the fact that we have the highest corporate tax rate in the entire nation by far. If we get rid of the surtax, it makes us fourth highest in the nation. So we don't become this tax Shangri-La paradise, but we, we get to a much better place. And BIA tries to be very consistent on pushing for balance and moderation. We know we're never going to be the cheapest state to operate a business in or to live in. We know we're never going to be the least regulated state to, to live in or to operate a business in, but can we find some balance to not be outliers on the bad side? And, and I think we are an outlier right now on our corporate taxes. I think the combination of that bill and the sunset of the surtax will bring us a little more in line and make us more competitive. Is there anything else in the budget um, that would be like the the sort of thing that one of our average members is going to get either hit really hard with or benefit really well from? I mean, there's a ton. Um, thinking about one example of a bill that we supported in committee, um, there's going to be a $100 million fund for um, boardwalks. And so if we have members that are on any boardwalk, any short town in the state that benefit from having a vibrant boardwalk, um, the state is now investing $100 million back towards in improving our boardwalks. And that is infrastructure. BIA always likes to say 
if we're investing in infrastructure, workforce development, or innovation, those are the three pro-growth spending areas that we want to see more of. And obviously, Boardwalk is going to its infrastructure, and sometimes it seems silly when you're comparing it to like water infrastructure, broadband infrastructure, roads and bridges, but they're very important, our state and our economy. And, and part of the New Jersey essence of who we are is, is our boardwalks. And so I think giving $100 million to them makes a lot of sense. Um, like there was also a bill tangential to the budget, but um, but to extend the legalization of internet gaming, um, which has been very worthwhile for New Jersey and our casinos have benefited from that quite a bit. Um, within the budget, we've seen greater investments in workforce development. We've seen um, more investments in housing and building. Uh, we've seen some new tax incentive programs come online. So there's definitely more investments. And I think the legislature, Governor Murphy, both parties deserve credit for that, promoting innovation, promoting infrastructure, promoting workforce development. Cool. Fantastic. Any last thoughts on the budget? Um, I'll be happy it's over. <laughs> yeah. It's usually it is this very much like like hurry up, hurry up, crazy end of June, and then we're getting to July. And I guess everybody involved in the Trenton political process probably is looking forward to this July and August more than others. I think it'll be quieter than we've seen in some years because yeah. the legislature's running for um, their new. They, there's a new a legislative map, and they're up for election in November, so they're running for elections in a new map with some new towns. All 120 legislators are up, so they're more likely to be quiet, focusing on that. You have, um, you're, you're finally, thank God, out of the throes of the pandemic, where we were kind of meeting all the time. It was like a seven day a week. It was, it was constant. We never stopped in the summer because there was obviously a crisis. Um, so we're out of that crisis mode, and so I think we might finally have a quieter summer um, where we don't see as much legislative activity, which is nice again because. When you're BIA, what does that mean? That means we start thinking proactively and maybe start drafting legislation, um, start talking to members about bills that we can come up with and and working on that proactive side of our jobs uh, of government affairs instead of the reactive side. Yeah. I do have one other question though. So what happens is if, if we don't vote, and when I say we, the legislators, if the legislators don't vote on this thing by midnight on June 30th, do we go into a shutdown of some kind? Technically, the state is supposed to shut down if it's not passed by midnight on Friday, June 30th. But there have been ways around that. Like if it's if they know that it's going to get done that Saturday morning or they know it's going to get done like the first or second and it's a weekend or it's Fourth of July holiday. Like, you know what? We don't need to shut down the state because, again, there's technically no money to pay for the state's electric bills for the state's mm. um, health insurance bills. But. Is there is is PSE&G, JCPNL turning off the power of state buildings that like 1201 if there's no budget? No, like there's 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 bills that have to be paid, but they don't necessarily get paid like real time by the minute. So there's no reason to shut it down, close the doors. A lot of times the shutdown, if it lasts on for long enough, it has to happen. But in the short term, the idea of the shutdown often is is political leverage of like, OK, I'm going to shut the state down. And we've had various governors, Governor Corzine, Governor Christie, kind of impose a shutdown because there was no budget deal, and they were hoping to drive the legislature into um, into some sort of a deal by by saying, "I want to shut down the state" or threaten to shut down the state um, with varying degrees of success. I guess okay. So you say like there's no money to pay, you know, like the thing if if they don't agree upon it. I I guess I've never really thought about 
what New Jersey's money looks like. Is there an account <laughs> somewhere like at PNC or wherever that's just like, this is New Jersey's bank account and like the money is there, but we just haven't agreed to pay the electric bill. Like, you know? No, and this state, the state actually has lots of money and we're in a better cash position recently um, that we've been in for years because of the pandemic, because of the aid, because of the surpluses that our budget's been fortunate to have. And, and Governor Christie, Governor Murphy, both deserve credit for kind of putting us in better financial footing than we were probably um, decades ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, the issue is not running out of the cash and, and that cash is sitting in accounts and, and there's people at Treasury that their job is to worry about managing all of that and but but that that is that is out there there is somebody that's worrying about the cash of the state to make sure that there's cash flow and um but what will happen here in terms of the shutdown is that the state's not allowed to spend any money unless it's been appropriated to spend and so the only one that can appropriate money the governor can't appropriate the legislature is the only one that can appropriate so the budget is the annual act of the legislature to say there's going to be a million dollars for this. There's going to be two million dollars for this. There's going to be a billion dollars for this program. There's going to be billions for school aid that's going to go out to every district in this fashion. The budget explains all of that. And so if you don't have a budget, the state's not allowed to spend out of the buckets that they had the previous year because technically there's no new buckets and accounts and, 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 and authorization to spend. Um, so you need the legislature, and that's the checks and balances that we have. The legislature kind of creates the law. They appropriate the money. The governor spends the money, enforces the laws, um, implements the laws. And then obviously you have the courts that are interpreting. And, um, and we go back way back to like middle school, elementary school, social studies, and then three branches of government. And all that. <laughs> um, but you need them. So the governor needs the legislature to govern. The legislature needs the govern- governor to sign the bill. So they have to work together in this process, which is good government, um, but it's a little clunkier than it should be sometimes. I remember like 15 years ago that there was a, a state shutdown and correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to say that the the law imposing the June 30th deadline is relatively new and was reacting to one of those last major shutdowns. Like the, gov- you know, I have friends who work for the state and they were all like furloughed for those, you know, that week or whatever it was, it was, it was a crazy time to like be in New Jersey and just watch it unfold. Right. It was insane uh, when that's happened. And there's always the debate because yeah, state workers shouldn't be working if they, there's no authorization to pay them. So they, they're often put off, but at the same time, there's essential workers that are kept on. Right. They, they changed the law after one recent shutdown to say that Casino employees are because basically there has to be state watchdogs in the casinos to make sure that certain things are happening. And so when those guys weren't there because of a shutdown, the casinos had to shut down, which people like, you know what, casinos shouldn't have shut down. We're now going to say those guys are essential. I think that was one of the laws they recently changed about the shutdowns. But but yeah, state parks get closed, state offices get closed. And then there's often if there is a shutdown, there's often a debate after the fact of do we go back and pay those state workers that didn't work? And I think historically that's happened, but mm-hmm. people are always worried about that. Oh my God, am I not going to get paid this week for my furlough? Yeah. Um, and does it wind up being like a couple of days vacation or does it wind up being like without pay? I think they worry about without pay, but I, I think it almost always happens where they go back and get the retro pay. Yeah, I think that's true. 
Um, okay, one last question that's sort of not budget related. I'm just realizing we I could talk about this forever because I, I I think it's fascinating. Um, but I'm realizing what time it is. So one last question, not budget related. Um, any elections within New Jersey to watch this year? Because they're all up for election, right? Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting November. Um, we're coming off two years ago where the Democrats in the majority lost a few seats in the legislature, somewhat surprisingly. And so I think they're a little more um, on their heels, vigilant to make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, the Republican Party, the minority party, is a little more optimistic because they're coming off that success. And I think a lot of that success is driven by some of the less favorable poll numbers that you see. Even though it's, it's legislative elections, a lot of times people go by, OK, how are they feeling about president? And if they're not happy about Biden or they're very happy about Biden, that's going to drive whether yeah. you might support a Democrat or Republican. Whether or not that makes sense, whether or not that's the right thing to do, whether or not your favorability towards the president actually is based in reality or just uh, made up. But but still, that often does drive it. And so they're looking at things like that. They're looking at things, the favorability of the governor. And OK, if you're happy with the governor, you might support the same party of the governor. If you're unhappy with the governor, you might oppose that party. So there's there's a lot of that going on. But I think the um, um, legislative districts. Four, 11, and 16 are probably the three that have gotten the most attention. 11 is an interesting one. It's the natural one to go to because it's the only split district in the state where you have Republicans in the Assembly and Pretend a Democrat a in the Senate. I don't know where District 11 is. Yes. Because... <laughs> so just, I apologize. District 11 is uh, Monmouth County, the shore. Okay. Um, district 16 is Princeton, Somerset, 100 and Middlesex. And so that's an interesting one because it covers a lot, but starts yeah, down in Mercer grand. County in Princeton, goes over to South Brunswick. Um, Hillsborough, I believe, is the largest town in it. So and then it goes over, um, goes west towards Hunterdon. And then District 4 is South Jersey. Um, and I want to say it's Gloucester touches on Camden a little bit. Um, but yeah, South Jersey. Now, I, I think those are the four where the in the Democrat incumbents have a little more to worry about. The Republican incumbents in 11 have a little more to worry about than typical incumbents throughout the state. And so though the numbers in those districts are probably a little closer to like a 50-50 swing competitive race than, than other districts. And I think, and, and BIA has even said this over the years in public, is I think having competitive races and have it leads to I think more moderate legislators and moderate legislators, I think, are good for the economy, good for, I think, government overall. Um, and so I think more of our districts should be competitive, not just the single, like not just those few. But um, but unfortunately, most of our districts, it's going to be like 60, 40, 70, 30, 80, 20, that one party is going to win pretty easily. Um, and that's a shame. But but there's also there's a lot of good legislators that have been around for a long time in those districts that will win 60, 40, 70, 30, 80, 20. And a lot of them deserve to win and they'll come back to Trenton and they'll do an excellent job again for Republican Party, Democrat Party. Um, a lot of good legislators in both parties that do good things for business. Um, and there's some that we'd be very happy if they left, but they're still going to win 80, 20, 60, 30, 60, 40, 70, 30. It's a great answer. Great answer. All right. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and then we come back. Uh, we're going to play a really, really, really fast lightning round. Welcome back. And it is now time for our lightning round, which today is brought to us by Delta Dental. Thank you so much. Chris, thank are you me. ready? Wait, what? I said, thank you to Delta Dental. Oh. <laughs> thank you, Delta <laughs> Dental. It's early. It's still early for me. I'm yeah. sorry. 
right, Chris. Uh, greatest TV show ever made? Tough question. I, being a government affairs guy, I think I have to go West Wing. Oh, um, solid show. I don't, I don't know that I ever finished the West Wing. I think I got oh, like I, I go three, back four and seasons it. deep. <laughs> um, but it's interesting. I had rewatched it um, when it was on Netflix. I had rewatched it when I was on HBO Max, now Max. But now it's it was pulled off there because NBC started their own. And so yeah. I don't have Peacock, Peacock. And so I don't know if they'll be able to go rewatch it like I used to because it I, I I like the politics. I like the almost the hopefulness of politics and government mattering. And especially in this day and age when you see nonsense from both the right and the left uh, and in our political world that I like to kind of like see the idealistic, idealized um, political world. And um, and so, no, I enjoy that. Yeah, half hour shows. I. I might. I, I want to say friends. That's a good answer. That mm. is just timeless. It's timeless. All right. Uh, let's see. Favorite movie. Another one. I don't think I finished. But okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> friends. No. After a while, I mean, I, I definitely watched like the first five, six seasons or so. But it, I don't know. Eh. So there were a couple of seasons that were hard. You know, when yeah. when the writers got tired and they started to like try to make Joey and Rachel a thing. That was could have been better they could have done a yeah. better job you know what i mean but the end was i feel like was really satisfying the end yeah, was- it was a satisfying end but i just think the timelessness of it and there'll be people at debate because there's probably things that are less politically correct today right. yeah. that they did back then i i i tend not to get as worked up about that and i i think people in general get too worked up about that but i think like you could always put an episode on and it's like 11 o'clock at night you just got done you're tired and it's gonna make you laugh and I know people that go to bed at night listening to friends on their earphones just to kind of like calm them down. Yeah. It's just timelessly funny. The characters are just timelessly likable. Yeah. Um, even with all their flaws and all their their stupid things they do, but it's just there's a likability to it that it's it's hard to replicate. And that's that it's good TV because it's not easy to just be funny. That's true. That's true. And you know when you look at um the the seasons in terms of the highlights like the thanksgiving episode in every season is always going to be solid it's always going to be funny the thanksgiving episode is just always going to be great so even if you did like one thanksgiving episode after another i didn't even realize that was a thing about friends i I remember they had one early on where like monica and um ross were playing like touch football or, or maybe it was regular football i can't remember but that's what I remember about that. Yeah. yeah. There were, there were some really high level guest stars of their friends. You know what I mean? Like yes. Brad guest starred, Julia Roberts yep. guest starred on friends once upon a time. Like what? <laughs> it's crazy. Anyway. Um, all right. Moving on. Um, let's see. Favorite restaurant in New Jersey. Oh, I, um, that's a tough one. I, might want to say Toscano's in Bordentown. Um, I think they're the best Italian place that I've been to nice. um, in New Jersey. But, right. um, but there's, I, it's it's very hard because there's just so many good. New Jersey is a yeah. great place to find good restaurants. And I'm lucky to live in a town that we have some of the best pizza around um, where we have both Papa's and DiLorenzo's um, oh. mm. in, in my town of Robbinsville. And Robbinsville has a couple new places that just opened recently that are excellent and um, in the area, there's always good food. So, no, we're in Central Jersey is very lucky with a lot of 
being halfway between New York and Philadelphia, there's a lot, a lot of good food options. I went out of my way to eat at Papa's because I heard that they, it was like, you have to be with me here when I describe how this pizza is crust, mustard, sauce, cheese. And I was like, that sounds weird, but if they're known for it, you know, I, I don't, I don't discriminate. I'm a lover of all pizza. I'm going to check it out. It was amazing. So yeah. No, it's, it's very good. It's good for a change. Like if I'm going to Papa's, I don't always get the mustard pie, but it's nice to get, like if, if I'm at a party and maybe you're getting four pies for people at your house, if you have one mustard and then you get the sausage, pepperoni, peppers, onions, whatever it is, like, it's nice to have that option because it's got a good taste. It's better than I thought it would be. Supposedly, years and years ago, they kind of stumbled into it and people liked it. And then it became <laughs> somebody <thing>. just accidentally scored <laughs> <laughs> it. It's crazy. I've never even heard of this. That's yeah. That's but, it's, it's, but it's the oldest pizza place in America, supposedly the continuous oldest continuously operating pizza place in America, from what I understand. Hmm. I like that I didn't know. Field trip. Yeah. All right. Um, Farthest from New Jersey you've ever been? I would say probably um, Italy. Nice, good, good pizza there, huh? Yeah, pizza was good. Food is great. Um, that was that was a long time ago. It was before kids. My wife and I. Uh, I want to say it was for our five year wedding anniversary. My wife and I went there before we had kids. Nice. And, um, it was a nice trip. That's fantastic. All right, last question: How many cats is too many cats? <laughs> Well, I am sorry, Kate, and I probably would say one. Oh, yeah. I am not a cat person. My family is not cat people. We're dog people. Um, always have been. I've always lived in a house growing up as a kid, and now as an adult, I've always had a dog in the house. I've never had a cat in the house. But I, no. I'm not. I, I am an animal person. I'm not anti-cat, but I just I would <laughs> always choose a dog over a cat. Yeah, it's funny. Before we started recording, and I, I wish we were recording at the time, Kate's cat Razor was on the desk, and like the tail was just waving, and she's like trying to get out of the way, and <laughs> she couldn't. And now we're actually recording, and he, 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 it's such a shame. She, she's yeah. camera shy. Yeah, he got bored with us. He's he's sleeping now. He's over there sleeping. Yeah, maybe next time. All right. So that was the lightning round, which today was brought to us by Delta Dental. Thank you so much. Thank you so Say much. Very clear. Thank you, Delta. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. My hearing is not so great this, this morning. That's okay. Um, right, so, yeah. Chris, if, if we missed one question in the, in the last, you know, round of it, it's what was the most interesting or, or thing that happened during the, the budget season this year? It was an interesting one, and I guess it's positive that BIA and the business community is on the receiving end of some good things in the budget. But what's interesting is that not everybody thinks that businesses getting what they want is a good thing. And it's fascinating that some Ah. people out there actually like the fact that we have the highest corporate tax rate in the entire nation, and they were upset at the governor and legislature for doing it. And what I found funny is There's one day I'm sitting in the legislature testifying. This is before the budget, but I'm sitting testifying on pieces of legislation that are good for the business community. And I look on my phone and I see on Twitter that there is a group of advocates that obviously are not business advocates that are protesting and having a rally in front of the state house. And then they're saying, we're going to march on BIA to show how awful it is to lower taxes. And I'm like, well, most people, I think, want taxes to be lower. 
I think most, most, most people would not want to have the highest tax rate in the nation. But you know what? This is America. God bless them. So they had a nice little rally in front of the state house. They walked a few blocks to the Business and Industry Association's yeah. building, and they stood on our front steps and they took pictures saying, we want Amazon to pay more taxes and we want other corporations to pay more taxes. And, and they were upset that we sh were not going to have the highest tax rate in the nation after this budget um, takes effect. I kind of find that ridiculous. I find it a little funny, um, but you know what? There's people that believe in everything and they think that it's a bad thing that we're not paying more taxes and, and they have the right to do that. And they did. And thankfully the legislature and governor didn't listen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was kind of funny because this is a little peeling back the, the curtain. Most of BIA staff this day, I'm going to say is remote. I mean, not everybody, but like most of us are remote. So when it was, when I heard about that, I was like, who, who are they protesting? You know, there's like <laughs> Gonzo and Jane in the office today. Like, you know, but, yeah. It was the IT's people fault that were. Yeah, exactly. I was like, the, most of the people in the office today, when I say today, that day, probably don't even know what they're talking about. <laughs> you know? It's like the no. office manager and our IT staff. Yeah. No, they, they opened they, the door to try to figure out how to help. They yeah. would not have, they would have been like, you need to, I don't know. Nobody's here. You got to talk to somebody who knows what this is about. I can give you the number. I, I've never been so upset to be remote in my life. I wanted to get like a sign and make a sign that was like, put Coke in the fridge instead of Pepsi or <laughs> Sprite. <laughs> like March on BIA. <laughs> then the, when like the reporters took the pictures, I'd be like in the picture. With, like in a, Michelle Sikarko would be like, wait, is that Vinny? <laughs> Oh my God, that would be that would be pretty funny. Fun times. That would be funny. Yeah, next time then. Next time. Next time. Next time. Um, normally at this point in the show, I'd ask if there's anything coming up you want to promote. So let us know. And if not, I, I'm sure Kate's got something because we're all one big happy company anyway. Well, I mean, thinking now that things are going to calm down a little bit um, and and I know something we're looking forward to working with Kate and, and the rest of the BIA staff on is our public policy forum is one of BIA's uh, big events in the fall that uh, gets back to government affairs and just talking about almost like a year in review and a, and a year preview at the end of this year. So um, I believe it's November, right, Kate? Yep, it's end like November. November 27, 28, right in there. That yeah. <laughs> and so it's a chance to hear from legislative leaders, a chance to hear from other important people in the policymaking world in New Jersey, um, and a chance to talk about what are the big business issues that um, made 2023 and will make 2024. So always a good time. I would encourage everybody to attend that um, if they have a chance. And, and also reach out because BIA's government affairs team, there's a lot of active policy committees. Um, there's a lot of active ways where you can get involved and help shape the policy that we're going to work on and, and also just get your questions answered. And we want to we want to be there for our members. That's the whole point of a BIA is to make sure we're fighting for our members. And part of that is answering their questions and helping them um, with whatever their concerns are, whatever their employees' concerns are on just navigating um state government in new jersey which is is not always easy but um but i think because of this budget i think it'll be a little bit more pro-business than it was probably last year awesome yeah. um if anybody wants to register for that njbia.org slash events is where you can do that um you just mentioned our our members concerns if any of them have concerns or they just want to get a hold of you to ask questions how can they do that you could um reach out to and i don't know if um my um, C. Emmy Holtz, uh, C-E-M-I-G-H-O-L-Z at njbi.org. 
um, is my email. Um, you could also, I don't know if this is appropriate or not, but I, I put my cell phone out there, 609-751-2957. It's on my business card, so it's out there in the world. But, but we want to help our members. And so if you have any government affairs question, if there's any entity in New Jersey, state, local, county governments that um, you could use some assistance with and we could make your life a little easier, that's what we're here for again. Uh, we're a member association and, and we're happy to help wherever we can. I love it. And, you know, let me just jump in with a pitch uh, for any non-member who might be listening. We we work so hard to make the lives of businesses easier um, because we realize that that you're the drivers of the economy. You employ New Jersey residents. Um, and so if you're not a member yet, but you like what we're doing, definitely let us know. And we would love to have you uh, yeah. join our ranks. No, yeah. Thank you for saying that, Kate. I, I know like an example of those non-members, you join, you get involved, you be on one of those policy committees, you have a chance to, this corporate tax bill I mentioned, we had a work group of a bunch of members of the tax policy committee that got together and, and worked out what this bill should look like and the things that we wanna make sure weren't in it, things we wanna make sure were, and members had a chance to influence policy and ultimately the policy's better for that. So that's a neat opportunity if you are a member of a BIA um, and, and I would encourage, uh, members to take advantage of that, but also the non-members you join and you get those, those chances and those opportunities that not everybody does. Yep. That's exactly right. Fantastic. What a fantastic show. I love this so much. Thank you. Um, thank, thank you, you for having me on. Oh, it was, it was our pleasure. Our pleasure. Thank you to our listeners, especially the subscribers. We really appreciate the support. Um, thank you to New Jersey Manufacturers Insurance Group, the official sponsor of the show. They do home, auto, and workers' comp. So check them out if you need updated coverage. And finally, one, one last thank you to Chris Emmaholtz of NJBIA's Government Affairs Department. He is their chief, and he does a phenomenal job. Thank you so much for making time today with us. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Vinny. I always enjoy chatting with you guys and, and being a guest on your show. You guys do a fantastic job. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Until next time. Bye. Bye.